And so we're in part three in our Colossian series, and uh, we're doubling down on this book in our connect groups as well that happen in the week. Many have also started a series on Colossians at the same time. It's just a really powerful book on grounding ourselves in our faith in really knowing where we stand when it comes to faith. So if you aren't part of a connect group, if you're wanting to be part of community, please do sign, at the, uh, sign up at the back. We've got more and more starting uh, each week. Um, and so today we come to this incredible poem or song or hymn that Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Colossian church from prison, he's now quoting from an ancient hymn about Jesus and who Jesus is. It's considered one of the greatest short passages in the Bible about exactly who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so I pray that we'll never be the same as a result of it, that we will we'll be different as we leave here today as we see God magnified. And so the first point that we're going to look at, so it's the ultimate poem. The first point we're going to look at today is Christ as creator. So there's three different parts. We're going to look at Christ as creator, Christ as redeemer. I'll explain what redeemer means and Christ as the transformer. I love transformer movies, so I will put them in there. But uh, Christ the creator, we're going to start. And this is what it says, Colossians 1 verse uh, 15. So last week we covered up to 14. This is what it says. It's talking about Jesus. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now that little phrase there, he is the image. Now an image, all of us know images we could see them obviously uh, in a photographic sense but it's a picture of something that's real a lot of the time might not it might be a created 3d graphic but a lot of the time an image if we talk about a photograph it's of something that is in fact real it allows us to get a visual idea of something that isn't with us in the present but something that actually does exist and those images have power think about a family photo of yours oh yeah you can keep that one up that's great thanks think of a family photo that you've had from years past you look at that and maybe it's on your wall maybe it's uh, somewhere it has it brings about emotion Maybe another image of a place you've been on holiday and uh, you see that. I know just a little bit about uh, ago, my, my wife said had a picture of a beach trip that we were on recently and uh, it brings this emotion, oh my goodness, we have to go back. You know, there's, there's emotion that comes from an image, from a picture. Now, these are some that won the World Awards last year. So this is one of someone cooking in India and it just gives this picture of someone night market trying to get by, trying to make a go of things in life, covered in smoke, but, but building a life for themselves. You can go to the next one. Thanks, Dan. And Dan as well, on for the first time. You can't see him because he's hiding, but it's another great way to serve as well. Uh, so Dan's there. Uh, this one, there's modern day cowboys who are trying to keep um, effectively their old way of life alive and so they live as they did two three hundred years ago and so this is one of the pictures that one of sort of a modern day uh, cowboys and it takes you back if those of you who read little house on the prairie or like the westerns it takes you back to that but it's happening in real life uh, next one thanks um, so this one they discovered a number of mass graves canada and those sorts of areas particularly of these young girls or young children and someone put this as a memorial but there's this rainbow that the photographer found um, the point of the cross jesus still being uh, involved in the brokenness of people's lives um, and it, it brings emotion it brings sadness but it brings hope a powerful image i think it came third in the global awards uh, next one thanks uh, this is one of the prisons in south america 
and uh, they're known for the gangs that, that lead and operate. And I saw this picture and my heart broke for those men. It broke going, those are people who are living today, just as we are, but for whatever reason, they've got themselves involved in the most horrific drug culture in South America. And my heart broke, and I started to pray for them, and that God would somehow touch them in prison. But, but it's a picture, but they're real people. So it brings about emotion. Uh, next one. I think I've just got a few more. Uh, this is a, a great picture. There's a few sort of modern-day gypsies, uh, effectively, living in those wagons in Ireland and in parts of Ireland. And they've lived like that for many, many years. And there's just a few left, and they're trying to preserve their way of life. And uh, this is a picture of, uh, of one of the girls in that. Um, and, it's, and it's difficult for them. They've got this cultural heritage. They don't really fit in society, but they still kind of feel they should live that. And it's just talking about how they're interspersing with, with our lives. Um, I think there's just two more. Uh, the next one, Dan, thanks. Uh, this one actually won the World Awards, and it's about uh, the F. Afghan army who've been trained to now try fight against the Taliban on their own, which is actually a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. So it won't be defeated this side of eternity. No matter how much power you have, the battle against uh, extremism uh, in the East is good for all of us to know. It'll never be defeated because it's a, it's a faith battle. You're not fighting against people's perspectives on nations and territories. It's actually spiritual. So the only way for it to be defeated is spiritual. But it's this picture of them trying to fight a battle for their homeland. Uh, they've been supported and they've been helped, but America's now pulled out. So they have equipment, but they, in a sense, are on their own trying to fight this battle now for the first time in years. And it's just such an emotive picture. That's the one that won. And then an interesting one, the next one, uh, you can click to it. Uh, thanks. Um, ah, final, last one on this. This is a lady um, who's there. The entire neighborhood was about to get burned down. And uh, that, was her, that was her home. And uh, they actually managed to save some of it, which is why it's a sort of a happier story as well at the end. But uh, she was just there praying. So this photographer is not a Christian, and she was crying out to God, just saying, Lord, save my home. She couldn't find her husband at the time. He was at the back of the house. He, he did survive. But she was there crying out, just saying, God, there's nothing else I can do. The wind is blowing, and the flames are coming, but, but please, please do something. And uh, instead of the photographer helping with the flames, he took photos. Um, but I just thought about that now, so uh, he failed. But anyway... Um, Onto a happier picture. It was happy because she cried out and God helped. Does anyone know the name of that sheep? Dolly. A few of you would know the name of this sheep, Dolly. Um, Dolly was actually not the first cloned animal ever. There was cloned animals before, but she was the first one that came to prominence as an exact replica, as it were, a living replica of uh, parental offspring. And in Dolly actually didn't live that long, but if you go to the next one, they've obviously been sheared. But this is Dolly's siblings, basically identical. But they say that they've managed to clone it so close that they're almost like robotic in terms of how they operate and how identical they are, not just in look but in character. Um, and look at them standing there. They probably they are a bit like robots, but that's also sheep for you. That's why when Jesus says in the Bible that we are sheep and he's the shepherd, it's not really a compliment. Um, it's saying you, you guys really need me because you don't have a lot of brains on your own. But... So they sort of done extra clones on the back of that. And so in a way, you're looking at these animals, but they're a representation, a living representation of someone else, Dolly, and you're looking exactly the same. So when we look at this phrase here, that Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, 
when Jesus was on earth and now for us, when it says he is the image, it means that when you see Jesus, you see the Father. When Jesus came to earth, um, he actually said in John 10 verse 30, um, I think you can, um, was it up there somewhere? Um, it might come. Yes. This is why when Jesus came, he said, I and the Father are one. When you see me on earth, you see the Father who is in heaven. I am an exact image, a representative of the Father in heaven. And this is the mystery of the Trinity, uh, which we believe in in Christian faith. One God, but three unique persons. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, fully themselves. Jesus was on earth in human likeness. The Father in heaven, the Spirit with him, fully unique in and of themselves, but also one and the same God. And so it's this powerful picture of uh, Jesus being the representation. If you're wanting to know what God is like, maybe you feel you've been hurt by God or let down by God or God hasn't come through for you or um, you've had an experience spoken to you about what God is like and it just doesn't fit with you. Look at Jesus. He is the image. He is God in the flesh. He, he shows you what God is like, his character and how he operated. So maybe you're exploring faith. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They give you a biography, biographical picture of Christ. Gives you a, a, a picture to see when you talk about God. And so here's the image of the invisible God. That took us a while to get through just that, eh? Five verses, great. Um, the firstborn of all creation, for by him, this is amazing, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. I think we have this big picture of all. I think, does it come up? Um, maybe. I mean, I just want you to get this because we can brush over this when we think about faith. So the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, goes through the list, all things were created by him and for him. This firstborn over all creation. It doesn't mean that he was actually born. He was there in the beginning. He was there. He always has been. Jesus was there at creation. But in a sense, he's the first son. In a sense, Jesus is the, um, like William is to King Charles, although he's God at the same time, so it's not the same. He is uh, royalty. He is sovereignty. He's going to inherit that for all eternity. He has the rights of a firstborn son, the monarch to inherit ruling sovereignty for all eternity. So he wasn't born, Jesus was never born. He was born on earth in human likeness, but as Jesus, as God, never born, he was there. He created everything that we see and that we don't see, the spiritual realm and the earthly realm. If you look far out to as far as our telescopes can go, he created it. If you look close in, it started off with atoms. They then found microscopes, microscopes that could go deeper and see quarks. And then now they've been able to go even deeper and see, I forget the name of it, that's even smaller than a quark. And there's amazing, intricate design, perfect functioning. He created it all. Perfect design, intricate detail, nothing random. We're taught that there was an explosion and that somehow through that explosion we have perfect operating. But yet none of us believe that otherwise. We don't believe that the iPhone just randomly poof, and it happened. There was a creator, a designer, Steve Jobs. So why would we feel that the world even more intricate, even more perfectly designed would somehow just have happened? It's impossible. Created by God himself. And then this interesting, whether rulers, authorities, he goes on. And Paul actually here is both talking about 
angelic spiritual beings. He's talking about angel orders and demonic orders. And he's also talking about earthly rulers. And he's tying them both together. Jesus created them all. Angels, kings, rulers, authorities, governments. Jesus created them Jesus didn't create demons. I'll just throw this in as an aside. Even angels have choice. Just as you and I have choice to follow God or reject God, so do angels. They reject God and they join the demonic realm. And uh, so they have opportunity as well, which we'll, we'll one day do a series on the supernatural. They chose to rebel, but he reigns supreme. You never need to be afraid of the demonic. There's many people who are afraid of of the demonic and some rightly so because you've engaged in it and in various demonic activities but but as Christ followers Jesus reigns supreme you never need to be afraid of demonic forces of curses set over your life of things you've experienced and been involved in Jesus reigns supreme and both the good and the bad bring about God's purposes he will use all of it and it's the same for human authority ED our president created by Jesus and Jesus will use him for his purposes whether he chooses to follow God or not Putin at the moment in Russia created by Jesus and Jesus rules supreme nothing that he does or doesn't do falls outside of God's allowance for his great purposes King Charles he's nothing compared to King Jesus and he never will be so he has a role to play, but it's only allowed by the one true king for his ultimate purposes. Proverbs 21 verse 1, the most astounding passage, the most humbling passage for anyone in leadership. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. We have choice. We spoke about this last week about how God is sovereign and we have choice and the two go hand in hand together. But God ultimately reigns supreme. So it's very humbling for any of us in a position of leadership. It's to go, Lord Jesus, actually you rule and reign. How do I get alongside what you're doing rather than trying to do things on my own? The entire fabric of our world is woven together by God and ultimately for God. He was the agent of creation through the God who made heaven and earth. We see this in John 1 verse 1 to 3. This is talking about Jesus where it says, in the beginning was the word. There's some uh, cults actually that this is the one passage that they have changed. You'll see this in different um, belief sets, maybe Jehovah's Witness belief sets. You'll notice here that what was changed by the, the creator of the faiths is where it says in the beginning was the word. It says in the beginning was a word. And it says, um, uh, uh, he, yeah, so in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. There's an A inserted with different faiths as well. It's one of the key verses that demonstrates Jesus as God, and it's one of the key verses that gets changed uh, later on in translation by people who don't want to admit this. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. You see, Jesus is the end goal of creation. We aren't. It's all for him. And if you're exploring faith today, stay with me. Keep your heart open because this God who created you, he's got a purpose for you in a big way. Verse 17, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. Can I get everyone to say all? All. That was so quiet. One, two, three. All. All things. Have that in your mind. Everything is held together. Sure, we have gravity, we have ecosystems, but everything is actually held by Him. Your body and mine, 
the instant our final breath happens, he knows it. He knows exactly the moment you and I will cease to exist on earth and will enter the spiritual realm. The end of life on earth, he knows it. The earth will end when he says so. If God did not sustain the universe, it would fall into utter chaos and disintegration. So the only way there's any goodness on earth, Sarah and I were saying, we've been looking at the news, and it's just terrible. There's just like nothing of joy and nothing of excitement on the news. It would be utter devastation if there wasn't the overflow of God's goodness in this earth. That is what is holding earth from falling into utter chaos, is his overarching goodness. And so to be held safely in his hands is the safest and most peaceful place to be. So that's the first one, Christ as creator. Next one, Christ the redeemer. He redeems. I'll explain what redemption means just now. It says, verse 18, he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Another big word for us who are not English scholars. But the church is a body. He's the head of the body, the church, meaning that we're a living organism made up of living people. I've said this before, that the church can never hurt you. People can hurt you. The church is a people gathering together and collecting. So the church can't hurt you, but people within the church can. But Jesus is the head of the church, which means Jesus leads the church. He leads Hope Church. He is the one who ultimately leads. He gives direction. He provides wisdom and supports um, the church. And so that's why it's impossible for any of us to say, I love Jesus, but I don't really care about church. It's impossible. The two go hand in hand. Jesus is the head of the church. He died for the church. He loves the church. So it's impossible for us to say, I love Jesus. I've got a great relationship, but I just watch TV on Sundays and I watch sermons from afar. Or to say, I love church, but I, I just do it on, I, I mean, I love Jesus, but I just do it on my own. Church isn't really a priority. I go when I'm, I'm bored or I don't have anything else to do. No, you, it's impossible. The two go hand in hand. If you love Jesus, you love his church because he died for his church. So it goes together. You can say, I love Jesus, but I don't like that particular group of people who gather together, and so I'll choose another group of people to gather together with. But you can't talk about his church like that. If you're a Christ follower, you naturally love it. Jesus died for it, he leads it. Therefore, it goes without saying that we love it, that it's a priority for us. And so for us as a family, we've made the call that it's priority. For us, for our children, whether we're on holiday, whether we're at home, we do church. Why? Because we're part of God's family. And not only that, we get stuck into it. There isn't bench warming, which I share often. And that's why it's so exciting here. I'm saying we're five weeks old, but so many people are saying, how can we be involved? Because the bottom line is, is you have something, a part of the body, to bring to God's church. And so if you're choosing not to utilize that part of the body, both here at Hope Church or in another church, basically you're depriving God's church of a body part. And then his church just doesn't look like what it should to the world. Because if we are walking around with one eye missing and half an ear and a balding head like some of us, and guys are looking in as the church in body form, they're just like, that doesn't really look like a functioning human being. So you and I have a role to play. All of us have a role to play in God's church. We're essential. If we don't bring our gifts and service, the body doesn't look like it should be. And so your character, your personality, your gifting, your time, your availability, they're essential to the local church. There's room for everyone to be part of it, which reminds me, um, there's lots of great ways you can help as well. One of them is sound. We've got some new people here, but sound, we would love it. And touch rugby. 
I mean, there's a group of dads and sons and daughters who all play touch rugby after church. So it's happening today. You can head down there. Uh, it doesn't matter your standard. It would be helpful if you can catch a ball. But uh, we can teach you if you've never learned and you've had um, a dysfunctional upbringing and never learned to catch a ball. Um, it's possible. God can still work miracles. Um, but there's space, what we love and what we're excited for. So, so go for it in that. This word preeminent. Preeminent is a beautiful word which means surpassing all others. It means Jesus surpasses everyone and everything else, supreme above everything. And yet we get to know him as a friend. The creator, the one who holds lives in the palm of his hand, the one who holds the world together, you and I can know him as friends. And maybe some of you for the first time singing, uh, Mike and the team, just an amazing job leading us into God's presence. Uh, it's not about us watching the band. It's about them being a tool to lead us into God's presence through song. Some of you might have felt for the first time, he's actually here. He's actually speaking. He's actually with me. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. This fullness, we spoke about it, but it makes me think of God speaking about God's presence filling the temple. Isaiah and Ezekiel speak about this in the Old Testament, where they used to say God would come in this cloud, in this powerful way where only the high priest could go and everyone else would die if they went too close, because that's how powerful God was. But, but his presence filled the temple in the same way he filled the earthly Christ. He filled Jesus, God in the flesh, for all his fullness, which is why we could see Jesus and can see Jesus fully as God. And he plans to reconcile and he does all things to himself, to make right, to squash all rebellion against the one true king. See, reconciliation is this word that means to restore. We talk about things being reconciled, to bring something from an unhealthy place to a place of great health, a relationship in an unhealthy place, to be restored to where it should be, into connection. Jesus does that. And for Christ followers, this can be accessed now. This reconciling of himself to all things and God's presence, making peace by his blood on the cross. You and I experience that now if we ask God to cover us. We experience it in part now. It's what everyone will see and know afterwards because he will reign forever. But now you and I get to choose it. We have an opportunity for our souls to experience peace living for Christ as we turn to him, as we recognize and celebrate what he did by his blood on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice, and then we find peace. I share this often, but that's what everyone's after. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, you're after peace. You're after being able to put your head on the pillow at night and go, everything's okay. It might not be perfect, but I'm okay because I'm in the grip of a perfect, strong God. So we're all after. We might search for it in success or search for it in a full bank account or a retirement fund. But we're after the same thing. But Jesus is the only one who can truly bring it. And the cross is the pivotal, ultimate point in history. It's why it's changed now. It was BC and AD, which is before Christ and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. And now it's been changed to BCA, BCE, before the Christian era. Not before Christ, but before the Christian era because Jesus is offensive. You know, and people sit and go, but why would our world's dating system be based on someone we don't believe is God? And so scientists and historians are trying to change all this phrasing that was put in place by non-Christians anyway. 
the Roman government and many who are responsible, they weren't Christ followers, but he was so significant that our dating system was based on him. What he did on the cross has altered human history and continues to have that influence. But for people who choose to reject what Jesus did on the cross, we will all experience God reconciling himself to all things and ruling and reigning. But once we die and once God comes back, there's no choosing sides. Our sides have been chosen. And so if you're exploring faith today, don't wait. The chance is now. And why would you and I wait? Why would we wait to see what happens beyond the grave? Jesus has said he's made peace with us by his blood on the cross. Accept it. Receive it. Live the purpose he has for you now. Don't wait to go, I'm just not sure. Uh, let me just try to live on my own. And let's just see what happens beyond the grave. Jesus is clear that we don't choose beyond the grave. We choose now. And there's no second chances beyond. One day every knee will bow. Now every knee should bow. So when we should, let's bow our knees rather than waiting when, whether we choose to or not, we do. So he's the redeemer. He loves us that much. Final one before we close. Christ is the transformer. He's the transformer. Verse 21. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Once you were, he's writing to this Colossian church. They've started up, they knew they're fresh, maybe a bit like Hope Church here. And he's saying, if you're a Christ follower, once you were, but you've been transformed. You're not the same as you were anymore. Jesus has changed you. You're never going to be the same. But then the next phrase is so sad because people who don't know Jesus yet, it says, once you were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, anti-God. And we see this in the news and in society. What's good and right is shunned. So what's honorable in the world is shunned. And what's celebrated is those things that are distorted and evil. We see that in terms of sexuality and twisted sexuality. We see that in terms of success at all costs. We see that in terms of evil motives. We see that in terms of crushing the poor so that we can become wealthy in our businesses at all costs. Focusing on earthly power and control versus humble leadership suppressing Christian choice. So you can have any choice. What's true to you is true to you. What's true to me is true to me. As long as it's not the Christian belief set, then it's not acceptable. That's what happens in society. You're allowed to have many different beliefs about sexuality, but if you have the biblical belief, you're shunned. It's because it's a spiritual battle that we face, but it's because before we come to Christ, we have hostile minds towards God. We're alienated and we don't even know spiritual battle but Christ it says there he is now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death and he presents us holy and blameless before God we don't do it on our own he does maybe you're here today and you're going I just need to do better I need to get to church more I need to start reading my bible I, I need to get closer to God it's not about doing and trying harder it's about receiving more that's how we grow that's the grace of God the grace of God is receiving God's power to help us live for him I'll never do it on my own. You'll never do it on your own. The way that we live for Jesus is not trying harder. It's receiving more. And so receive more. Ask more for his help. Ask more for his power. He gives you everything that you need, but it won't be by trying harder. And what does he do? He presents us blameless. And this blameless word is the same word used for when unblemished animals, perfect animals had to get sacrificed to pay for the Israelite people's sin in the past. 
And so Jesus is saying, but now that I'm the sacrifice, now that I've died for your sin, in a sense, I bring you to the temple, I bring you to God's presence, and you're perfect because I was the sinless one who was substituted and you get to be perfect by me. So Jesus brings his followers to the Father for inspection and God says, but you guys are perfect. And you're sitting there going, but no, I'm not God. If you only knew what I've thought and what I've done and how I live, he's saying, no, but I see Jesus' work in your life. He's paid the price. Sin's gone. I see purity. Even when in our hearts we know it's not pure, but Jesus has covered us. It's beautiful. It's the most freeing thing. We don't live in guilt. We celebrate God's grace. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. The Greek word here um, is for continuing your faith isn't one that means you lose your faith. We truly believe that when you give your life to Christ, you become a new creation. You move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life. You become a son of God, and then you don't suddenly cease to become a son. And so Paul's not saying here to the Colossian church, listen, guys, make sure you do well, because if you don't, you're out of God's kingdom. He actually fully intends that they're going to continue to follow God. It's not about falling away. It's a given from his perspective that Jesus has transformed them, because apple trees can't produce oranges. Once you and I change from being, what's a really horrible fruit, from a guava tree, um, it's not even really a fruit. It's actually dangerous for you to eat guavas. So <laughs> sorry if you love those things. Um, the Lord will work on your heart, just like tea drinkers. He keeps working on people's hearts to move tea drinkers to coffee drinkers. And um, uh, Guava trees can't suddenly produce a nice fruit like a pineapple. Um, we have to be changed. And then an apple tree produces apples. And so what Paul's getting across here is that when you and I give our lives to Christ, there's an overflow of following God that naturally happens because we're new creations on the inside out. It speaks about phrases, Matthew 10 verse 22b, says the one who endures to the, to the end will be saved. And what Jesus was saying there is if you're a true Christ follower, you won't fall away. Sure, you'll have good days and bad days. You'll have weeks where maybe you don't do so well, but towards and as your life progresses, you'll keep following him. That's proof that God changed your heart in the beginning. Whereas if you say you gave your life to Christ, but after 30 years, He's just nowhere. You probably ask the question, did he actually change my heart? And it's a good challenge for each of us. It's about building our lives on the rock, and I'll close with this. Matthew 7, 24 to 27, this is what it says. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but he did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house. It fell, and great was the fall of it. And so build your house on the rock of Christ versus the sand of society. Build your house on him, the one true foundation, the supreme one, the preeminent one. It's the only way to live now, the rock of truth in Jesus rather than the shifting sands of society and false teaching. At the end, we get to be a part of the hope of the gospel proclaimed in all creation. And we're recipients of that here in Harare, Zimbabwe. It's gone out from Asia Minor, from Northern Africa, and over the years and over the centuries, it's come to us. We experience faith because of the gospel being proclaimed around to the ends of the earth. But there's more people in our city, in our neighborhoods, 
who need to know Jesus. There's more empty chairs to be filled by our friends and by our family. There's more people beyond Zimbabwe who God's calling and who he's drawing. And maybe you're here and you've been invited by a friend. And that's just part of God drawing you in. We get to be a part of this great work that Paul was telling the Colossians about. There's so much room to be involved. So let's stand and we'll pray. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you are close. Thank you that sometimes you nudge us on the shoulder and quietly get us to come to a decision of faith. Sometimes you use a life circumstance to bolt us to attention. Sometimes you lead us into a conversation with a friend that changes our eternal destiny. Thank you that you are the sovereign one. You're the one who's before all things. You're the one who holds everything together. You're the one who created us before the foundation of the world. You knit us together in our mother's womb. You have a plan and a purpose for our lives and it's only found in you. And so wherever each of us are here, feeling stagnant, feeling disillusioned, exploring faith, you are the good father. You are the prince of peace. You are the saving king. And you reach out to us and you call us and you draw us into something deeper. So you can just respond to him now in whatever way applies to you. You can say, Lord Jesus, I haven't really cared that much about your body, the church that you died for. And today I'm going to make a decision to love it and to give my life for church and for your kingdom. Maybe you've been sitting on the fence today. And today you're going to get in touch with a friend you know who's a Christ follower. You're going to get in touch with us maybe through a welcome card and you're going to say, hey, I'd love to have a conversation about who Jesus is and what he means to me and what the cross really means. I want to understand it. I want to know where I stand with him. And that'll be a step for you. Maybe some of you used to say, I, I just like, I like comfort and I just like bench warming and I, I just don't like stepping out of my shell, out of my comfort zone. And today God would say, I'm actually putting some things on your heart and I'm challenging you to step out and just wait and see what I do on the back of your faith. So listen to him. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you come to us with grace and forgiveness. You don't come to us with religion and do's and don'ts. You come and say, just come to me, come to the waters and I'll change you from the inside out. And so as we head from here, as we meet people that we don't know, as we have coffee, as we make decisions for the week ahead, Lord Jesus, would you influence and would you flow through our every decision? Would we wait on you? Would we rest on you? Save us from wasted hours, wasted days, wasted moments. Would every moment in the week ahead count as you continue to build your church? In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.